Radio. This is New Twist Radio Live. We are here. This is Intelligent Ignorance, a special live episode of Intelligent Ignorance. We decided we're going to go back to the live episode this week. Give us an opportunity to talk to everybody that listens to the show and supports the show every week on a weekly basis, on a you know monthly basis. However, however often we end up doing the show, we want to give the opportunity for those that support us to continue to support us. Whether you call or not, the number is 215-383-3992. And of course, hit the number one button to get through and talk to us and uh, talk about today's topics. But we got a couple topics on tap for today. And without further ado, let me bring forth the star of the show, Mr. R. Hunter. What's going on, man? Man, as much as I want to embrace you calling me the star of the show, I just feel like I'm not there yet. Uh, but it's a work in progress. I will be, a, I will be a star soon, and I appreciate you speaking that life into me. Hey, you gotta, they, they say you got to speak things into existence, so you know I try, I try it sometimes. But uh, what's going on, man? It's been about a week or so since the last time we were on there. Last time we, we was together doing shows. And how you been, man? How's things going with with uh, with last name legacy and and all the all the other good stuff you got going on? Man, everything is everything. We we we've been getting a really good response from the new Entrepreneur podcast, uh, which is also on New Twist Radio. Shameless plug. Uh, check out the website lastnamelegacy.com. Shows are listed there as well. Uh, man, it's just been a, a really good week. The uh, Dawson Fit Boot Camp was this morning. Uh, for the Keith Dawson Foundation fight against leukemia, their uh, wine mixer is also tonight. So that's also an amazing event to check out tonight, man. It's just, it's a, it's a busy weekend. Well, weekends always busy when you're a busy person and you stay active. You're always doing something, and uh, you know, kudos to you for keeping everything up that you're keeping up. And it's funny that you know I say that because. I was having a conversation with with someone just recently, and they said to me they actually talked to my mother, and they they, they said they came to the conclusion, without me being around, that <laughs> I spread myself too thin. Which, you know, I do a lot of things. Okay, you know, I do a lot of things. I coach baseball with two different organizations. Okay, I you know I do uh, commentary for high school football. I have a regular job. I do these shows. I do a couple of different shows, a few different podcasts, and run a radio station, things of that nature. Right? And I don't do as much as other people, but I do. Right. You know, I do quite a bit. I love staying busy. And the funny thing about it is, the only time it's well, the funny thing about it is, I don't mind doing it because I'm doing things that I love. And I don't feel like I'm spreading myself to them because I'm doing things that I love. Had I been doing, had, had it been like somebody saying, yeah, can you help me move on, like on a weekly? Can you help me move? Can you help me clean out my basement? Can you help me do stuff that I don't love to do? I wouldn't be doing so many things. But when you feel like, when you're doing yeah. something you love, you feel like, you, you feel like you're having fun. And and that's how I feel about this. You were about to say something? You know what? I had the same conversation last night. Uh, the people will get to hear it soon. I did a, a special late night segment of uh, the new Entrepreneur Grow. And I won't give too much away about it, but we talked about really doing what you love. And I said the same thing. From the outside looking in, 
people say, how do you have time? You do so much. It's like, but I absolutely love everything that I do. So when you're doing things that you love, it's not work, and it really doesn't take up a lot, as much of your time as people think it does. You're absolutely right. And like I said, 215-383-3992 is the number to call to join into the conversation. We have a couple of things we want to discuss today. As we, if you were listening to last, last week's show, we spoke about the Me Too movement. Actually, we spoke a lot about Antonio Brown and then led us into talking about the Me Too movement and, you know, the, the people that have been affected by the Me Too movement, both victims and the accused. Um, and really, I wanted to get people's opinions on it, be honest with you, because I feel like, well, the, the Me Too movement has done, I think, at least it's it's working on doing exactly what is happening right now, and that is getting people to take the victims or the accuser, should I say the accuser or the victim? I say the accuser. Okay, I'm going to say the accuser. Let me let me tell you why I frame it this way. People are starting to take the accuser a lot more seriously than in the past. They were taking their accusations more seriously than than prior to the Me Too movement. Um, it's a good thing and a bad thing. I think. Here's why. It's a good thing because people that have been victimized are letting their voice be heard and hopefully what happens is people that are are victims will come forward more sooner than later now because they feel like their voice will be heard. Here's the flip side to it. You have some people that will that accuse people of of things that really didn't have these things happen to them or are, you know, creating false accusations. Those people will also be believed now because of the Me Too movement. Now, the Me Too movement is a good thing because, like I said, the people that actually are being victimized, their voices are being heard. And then there's going to be the people that are telling falsehoods that will make, that will put a, a, a black eye on the whole situation. I.e. a bad cop. Not all cops are bad, right? But one bad cop will make a lot of good cops look bad. Okay. Uh, R. Hunter, what are your thoughts on what I said just there? No, I. So I agree with what you said, and especially calling it the accuser, not the victim, because we find out that some of these accusations are not true. I am one. I am a huge advocate of the movement. I truly appreciate when people come to speak out about these kinds of things uh, because, one, we want justice. We want things to be equal. We want things to be right. And we know in this society it hasn't been that way ever. I don't want to say in a long time. It's never been fair. It's never been right. It's never been equal for men, for women, excuse me, for women, for minorities, uh, for the underprivileged, uh, it's never been fair. It's never been equal uh, because there are people 
mainly men and men with power uh, who really hold the cards. They dictate what justice looks like. And for so long, it has always been a shameful thing to speak out on these issues because powerful people have the ability to shut you down. And I think now with today's society, that's starting to fade away. So I am a huge believer in this movement. Uh, One big thing for me personally, and I know know, we can't, not one person individually can affect the legal system, but I want to see more of these things come forward, but I just want to see them prosecuted fairly in the sense of we are all innocent until proven guilty. You know, that's the normal saying. But once these matters get into public opinion, you're immediately guilty. And there's often no vindication for the individual who's falsely accused. So if, for example, if there's an instance where I am accused of rape, Once that hits the news, once that hits the newspaper, there's automatically a negative stigma that comes by being associated with me. Now, if I'm exonerated of those charges, that accusation still is there, and it's often, for the accused, just as heavy as an actual guilt. So I would love to see in our society where we're treated as innocent until proven guilty, like the system says, but I really want people to come forward and talk about these issues when it happens, and I know the history behind it and why people don't come out and speak out about it, but I think that a lot of that is changing, and it's a huge positive change for our society. Mm. 215-383-3992 is the number to call. Join us on our Me Too conversation. We have lots to talk about, and we want to hear your opinions on it and your opinions on what we have to say. Some people are not going to like what we have to say, and that's okay. You don't have to like what we have to say. You know, you listen to the show, and you have your opinion. That's why we have this show, to have people get their, their, their ideas out and into the public and give people a voice. Um, one, one situation that we – Spoke well, let's not talk. I'm not going to talk about one particular situation just yet, okay? Um, I'm going to talk about a plethora of situations and group them into one right now. Um, and one of these things is the the celebrity accusers or the, or the people that are accusing celebrities of of actions that encompass encapsulate Me Too, right? Um, We know Bill Cosby is in jail. We know Harvey Weinstein has been accused of some things. Do the the, the R. Kelly accuse? See, is R. Kelly even really being accused by a person that he has been with right now? I'm not really sure about that. Like, I, I know that with the surviving R. Kelly documentary that came back out, a lot of things came back around, came back to fruition. But I'm wondering if there are people that are actually accusing and charge and charging or accusing R. Kelly of what 
he's being what's he what he's actually sitting in jail for right now. Um, who else? There's been there's been many. Terry Crews, a man, was uh, was me too. Let's use that as a verb. He was me too, and uh, he he put the information out there. And unfortunately for for Terry Crews, he he met he met a lot of scrutiny for putting his situation out there. But it's not just celebrity celebrities that get me too. It's not just celebrities that um, that get accused, and not just celebrities that you know that these things happen to. There are what I would call regular people. Okay, that's that's what they called them in the first episode of the Kaiser Show. Regular people. There are regular people like you and I that get victimized. There's a post you put out there, and I don't mean to steal your thunder or that, but there's a post you put out there. And actually, you said it on this show. I believe you said it last week. Maybe it might have been a few weeks ago. One in 16 women say that their first sexual encounter, what what is it? If the first sexual encounter was um, uninvited, is that what it is, Ardot? Uh, let me get the specifics. Because basically yeah. it's saying that they have been raped. Uh, their first sexual encounter was involuntary. Involuntary. Okay, that's, that's what it was, involuntary. That's amazing. That's a problem. That's amazing in a bad way. One in 16 women, first sexual encounter was involuntary. That means they did not welcome the, the sexual attempt. Now, this could mean... This could possibly mean, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, minimizing this at all. It could mean that somebody touched their butt. I mean, that could be seen as a sexual encounter. Am I correct? I, mean, I would I, think so. I, I, I mean, but you know, I'm like sure. I said, I'm not trying to make little of the situation, but that can be, that could be. Some could call that a sexual encounter. Like nobody says grabbing up the hand is a sexual encounter, so nobody would say that sexual encounter was uninvited. But well, they have said, goes... you know. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, no. Go the ahead. Go study, ahead. The study was stating that uh, more than three million women experience rape as their first sexual encounter. Now, more than three million a, women. Wow. I am assuming, and only it, it can only be an assumption that I that it would be sex, like actual penetration. Just in in my interpretation of what came about from that actual study, and just reading the study, it was actually called the. National Survey of Family Growth, uh, and it asked women between the ages of 18 and 44 about their first sexual experiences. Uh, it asked whether it was voluntary, uh, the age that they first had sex. Uh, those are some of the questions that it came across. Uh, and it surprisingly, it did not use the word rape. It was saying it was asking whether the sexual encounter was voluntary or involuntary. But it also did uh, state a little bit, stating 
26% of the women that said that uh, that it occurred involuntarily said that they were threatened. So that's one out of every four. So one out of every four women said that they were threatened. 46% said that they were physically held down. So that's almost half. One of every two said that they were held down. Over half of them, almost 60%, said that they were pressured into doing it. Mm. So I can only conclude that this that the survey was truly based on a sexual act or some type of penetration, uh, just based on what type of questions they asked. And looking at those stats, I mean that's it's it's shocking. It says that the average age of the victim was fifteen. And the average age of the other party was 27. Mm. That's crazy. There can be a lot, lot said about a lot can be said about that. Uh, what you just said right there, a lot can definitely be said about what you said there. Right? Average age was 15. Average average age of the victim was 15. Average age of the of the What's the word? The, the accused. The, the the accuser. The the accused. The the, the assailant. Accusee. If you want to use the, the legal word, the assailant. The legal age of the assailant twenty seven years old. Wow. Let me tell you something. This is a country that doesn't take care of their women. They just don't. I, I, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. This country does not take care of their women. And I'm not just talking about any particular culture, anything, any race, any culture. This country, this world, as a whole, I feel like does not take care of their women. They don't watch, look after their women. Those types of women, women come under so much attack in this world. Like, I guess some guys will see a woman and just see weakness and feel like they can overpower they can do whatever they they can get away with, and and they're gonna go after it. Um, a lot of it comes from maybe like I said before, some women do not speak up right away. Case in point, Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not here to say right. whether he's innocent or guilty, okay? But he was just in a situation as he was trying to get nominated to the. United States Supreme Court that uh he was accused of 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 sexual of a sexual assault back when he was in high back when he was in college and actually two women came forward now that was 30 40 years ago that he was in college and those things happened and people will say well why didn't you come forward sooner i'm sure there's so many answers to that question of, of why the women don't come forward sooner Maybe that's why part of part of the reason why the Me Too movement was established, so women can feel like they have a voice, they 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 have you know support. But when I'm not like I said, I'm not here to say whether Brett Kavanaugh is guilty or innocent, but let's 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 just say let's just say he did it, right? And what happens is. A lot of times in this country, 
there are people that will take the victim and and criminalize the victim in a sense or victimize the victim in a sense saying well why didn't they come for their lying they why didn't they come for it sooner and i really believe that unless you're in a situation unless you have lived a situation you cannot you it's hard to say what a person should have done okay it's hard to say what a person should have done uh, case in point. Let's. Uh, I keep saying case in point. R. Dot. You were in the military, right? Let's say you told me a story of something that happened in the military, and I was not in the military, and I said to you, "Well, this is what you should have done." Well, how could I tell you what you should have done in a military situation if I've never been in the military? Right. How could I tell you? How could I possibly tell you how you should have handled that situation? You know what I mean? And even if I were in the military, if I had never, if I had never been in that type of situation that you were in, how can I really tell you how to, how you should have reacted to it? I don't know what you're feeling in that situation. So you know when people say, well, they should have came forward sooner. You know, the, probably the only person that could probably have the right to say that is the person that's being accused. Why don't they say something? Because they're they're working on proving they're innocent. But now it's interesting that you it's interesting that you say that because in our society, this is exactly what a lot of the struggle is right now. Uh, there are so many instances where our government, which is dominated by men, uh, and our political holdings are saying, "Well, here's what women should do." Uh, we talk about abortion. We talk about women's rights. And it's being governed by a bunch of men who have no experience as being a woman. How can you tell a woman how to handle her body and how to handle her life and how to handle her situation if you've never experienced any of those things? It, it just so so right. You're so right about that. I agree. Go ahead. Continue. No, it it, it just amazes me that. We we talk about wanting to do what's best for people, and we never include those people in the decision. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. we want to tell we want to tell women that they don't have the right to abort a child, and we have certain states that want to outlaw abortion. And I know I'm getting off of our original topic. Uh, but we have states that want to outlaw it and not provide any assistance for these women. Uh, but then w- these same governments are telling them how to handle their lives. And, well, why are you making kids that you can't afford? It, it just It's a huge catch-22 on the part of our system, uh, and it's a huge failure for, for us as a society. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. 215-383-3992 is the number to call. And uh, when you call in, hit the number one button, and uh, we'll get you right on through to speak to us and uh, get your opinions out into the open. And, um, yeah, speaking about that whole abortion issue, right, They the government really wants to – parts parts of the government really want to 
protect a baby before it's born, but not do a whole lot of the same type of protections after the baby is born. And I'm not going to say that there aren't programs in place, because there are. But when you see images of these children at a concentration, not a concentration, excuse me, I did not mean that was a slip. When you see... um, when you see pictures of these kids at refugee camps, um, when you see pictures pictures of kids out on the street being homeless, hungry, okay, government ain't really stepping in really quickly to help those kids. All right, there are homeless kids in every community, almost every community in the United States, and homeless doesn't mean that you're just sleeping on the street. That you know, it just doesn't mean you're sleeping on the street. You could be staying at a friend's house because you you know can't afford to have your own your own place to live. So, I, I, like I like you said, all right, I didn't mean to get off topic there, but I, you know those just something I had to get off my chest there. Um, with the Me Too movement, let's 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 look at the the side the side of the person that's being accused. What has the Me Too movement done to the person being accused, Ardot? Uh, it, well, it's just like any other crime in, in our society today. Just like I was talking about at the beginning of the show, they're automatically guilty until their innocence is proven. And I think that's just a systematic flaw that we have. It doesn't matter whether it's a sexual assault crime or a burglary charge. You are automatically presumed guilty. You're arrested, you're processed, you may sit in jail until you have the ability to be tried or to be sentenced, convicted, whatever, uh, in the legal process, uh, to due process. I'll go back and say that. So you, in many cases, you're either held until due process is completed or you have to pay a sum of money which a lot of people don't have, you have to pay a sum of money to be granted temporary freedom until you're judged. And I think that's one of the big flaws in our system is we say that you're innocent until proven guilty, but the actions prove that you're guilty until proven innocent. And that's a big shift that I want to see. I don't think uh, it's something that will ever happen in our lifetime, uh, but I do know that once you're accused, especially of something like this, it's really hard to clear your name because it's always out there, especially in the the digital society. You can always type in somebody's name and look online, and something like this will always come up in the search first. You're going to see these type of things associated with that individual forever. Uh, When we think about Bill Cosby, and we know he was found guilty, but how many of the accusers were later found to be lying? It's, well, let me let me let me stop you right there because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought up Bill Cosby. I did want to say that in this society, you are so correct about the the, the guilty till proven innocent thing, but it seems like in cases in high profile cases like Bill Cosby like a Art Kelly, like a Ben Roethlisberger, let's say, 
um, we've seen that fans, I'm going to call people fans, fans of these people are willing to give them the benefit of the doubt saying they didn't do it. Whereas if you see a mugshot of some regular person on your local news that's accused of it, you automatically, you will automatically say, oh, well, they did it. They, they need to go to jail. And it could be the same situation where where you what you think is, is your, your favorite celebrity is being falsely accused. It could be the person that's right around the corner being falsely accused. And we have a tendency to do that in, the, in, in our society. We will put our celebrities on, on this pedestal and, you know, think that they are above anything that anything detrimental. But we see this uh, guy from around the corner or, you know, across town on the news, and we just automatically assume that they did it. And I don't know if the Me Too movement is I don't know if the me and, and this is even before the Me Too movement, okay? So I'm not trying to blame me anything on the Me Too movement, but I don't know if the Me Too movement has been successful in creating these situations. Now, that's that's a poor choice of words, but I don't think the Me Too movement has been successful in, um, I guess allocating these situations separately, where. You know, the person, the celebrity accused is going to be, the the fans are always going to be at that person's side, whereas the person around the corner is 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 truly, truly the person that's guilty to a proven innocence. Bill Cosby, people people were people were right there with Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby didn't do that. He didn't do it. No way. Why is that? That woman looks like a man. Why why would he do that to her? Well, you know, we don't know. I mean, they proved they they well, found him guilty, so we don't know. Go ahead, Ardad. I'm sorry. Well, here and I think here's why. So, in a lot of the one, it has a lot to do with the media. The media has a tendency to control certain narratives. We know that we are we are a different form of the media, but we are not the mass the media. We right. are media. We're not mass media. But the media has the ability to control certain narratives. So when it's a high-profile high individual, so let's take Bill Cosby. Uh, we knew Bill Cosby 40 years before these accusations came about. Right? So we already had a perception of who Bill Cosby was. He was a philanthropist. He was an actor. He was a, a educator. Giver. He was <laughs> educator. Bill Cosby was a prominent figure in society who truly didn't have much tarnish on his image. So when these accusations came out, our first thought is to defend the image that we already had of Bill Cosby. You can't besmirch our hero. That's like saying that, you know, Superman was the criminal. You can't take the hero and push him into the villain role. That's not fair to do until you prove that he actually did it. But for the guy around the corner that nobody knows, when we're looking at the local news and we see this person's face, who we don't know 
from literally a can of paint. Now he's already guilty because that's all we know of him. Our only image of him is associated with this negative act. So he may not have been found guilty yet. But if all I know of him is this, there's more likely to be guilt associated with him than somebody who we've had a history about. So it's not fair. I kind of wanted to piggyback on what you said because you brought up Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Antonio Brown brought up Ben Roethlisberger, and he's like, hey, his situation wasn't treated like mine, which in ways is true because Ben was accused not once but twice. And, I mean, I guess since our last episode, we we now see that Antonio Brown was accused again. So now he has two accusations from two different women. Uh, we saw him sending threatening text messages. So he's just looking more and more guilty as the days go by. I, I really don't have any, because I know we started off with Antonio Brown last week. And even trying my hardest to give him some type of credible defense, he just made himself look really bad. One, with the original text messages saying that he was made to feel like a rapist after the act occurred, and then to send threatening text messages saying that, you know, you can't do this to me. He just, if this is the court of public opinion, I'm already labeling him guilty based on the evidence, or I won't say the evidence, but the images that have already been portrayed. I won't call them evidence because it's not a court of law, but the images that are already out there really make him look guilty. Well, one thing that the the mass media tends to do and it's through no fault of their own, to be completely honest with you. They don't provide images or evidence of innocence when when they may exist, okay? Um, they won't give you a reason why Antonio Brown may not have done what they said he did. They don't give you a reason why O.J. Simpson may not have committed those murders. They don't give you a reason why, taking it to another step, they don't give you a reason to – they don't show you a reason why Trayvon Martin wasn't a thug. Let's take it there. They they don't give you the image of black folks not being thuggish. In the community, they don't they don't show those images often, only of celebrities. Right. right. Only of celebrities, and I'm talking the Bill Cosby. I'm talking about high profile. I'm talking about Bill Cosby. I'm talking Michael Jackson. Even though Michael Jackson, they didn't really give him a shot either. Actually, they didn't really give Bill Cosby a shot. They don't they don't provide images of innocence in the mass media. They just don't because they're they're money resides on people watching and people want to watch drama. People want people want drama in their regular life, in their real life. Maybe not their own personal life, 
but they want to see it happening on TV. They want to see it on the news. They don't just want to see it on what's that show called Empire or Power or whatever show you may watch. Seen elsewhere. I don't know. <laughs> whatever show it could be. MacGyver. Okay. Um, the mass media just does not provide that. And that lends itself to the guilty to proven innocent theory. Uh, or that, I mean, should the mass media... We do have another topic to talk about today, but should the mass media have a responsibility to provide the other side of the coin for people that are accused of of things? Well, and it, and it's interesting that you say that because remember on previ- on a previous, and I think I've we've talked about this a few times on show on a few different shows. Uh, being former military and traveling around the world and seeing news in other places, there's no country that portrays negativity like the United States. We put negative news out like it's no tomorrow. And we put the guilty stuff, we put the fires, we put the shootings, uh, and then you go to these other places, and I inherently felt safer in other countries for the simple fact that I had absolutely no knowledge of what negative things were going on around me. And I think that that plays a really big part into what goes on in terms of how society reacts. Because Hold on. When, not, when, when, you, we, when did you not know about uh, negative things going? On? I think I missed some. When when did you not know negative things were going on around you? No, in in other countries. So when oh, you watch okay, the okay, news, okay. when you watch the news, you're not seeing this stuff in other countries. You watch the news and you don't see that there was three shootings in this city. You don't see that there were. I got you. 15 robberies and there's a serial rapist on the loops mm. in, in one argument could be that it creates a false sense of security uh, but two it, do you want your people to feel secure or do you want them to feel afraid and I feel that in the United States there's a big culture of control and one huge measure of control is fear our government runs off of fear, and I know we're way off topic now, uh, but our government runs off of controlling people through fear. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge believer that the individual who is called our president right now, uh, he has enacted a lot of people to release some of their uh, beliefs because in certain mind states, they're going to think that fear ensues by some of these actions. And it's rightfully so. There are some people who are afraid of what could happen to them in situations. Uh, We have a number of those situations, and I think it kind of leads us into our next topic, because I was completely appalled 
when I read the article about the sixth grader, the young 12-year-old African-American female who was held down by three of her white counterparts and her hair was cut and it was called nappy. And I can't imagine how traumatizing that experience was for her. As a father yeah, that, that of had the to seventh be... grade. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Finish, finish your thought no, there. No, as a father of a black seventh grade female, I can only imagine what her parents are going through right now. Because I can tell you, I probably would have been locked and loaded. I probably would have found the names and the addresses of the students' parents, and we would have had some type of altercation. There's no way that, and I think that's the difference, because some people look at that headline and they're immediately afraid of what could happen for us. And me looking at it, I'm immediately afraid for what could what I am going to do to them because there's no way that you can bring that to my doorstep and think that I will not come back. It's just crazy. Absolutely right. So um hit us up two one five three eight three three nine nine two and uh click hit the number one button. If you want to get through and share your thoughts on what we've been talking about today, one being the Me Too movement and all the things involved with that. Also, now we, we're also talking about the seventh grader. And, and and let me know what has happened just a minute, Ryan. The seventh grader, seventh grade um, black girl was held down. Sixth, sixth grader. Sixth grade. Excuse me. Sixth grade, sixth grade black girl was held down uh, at her school, and her hair was cut. And she and her hair was being called now, and that's that's just terrible. And like you said, I agree with you. I I, I do not, I cannot imagine what her parents could be going through mentally, emotionally right now. Um, one thing, one thing that has, um, one thing that I heard on the radio actually recently is that when, when and, and stay with me on this, Ryan, this past week there was a, there was a, a fire in Philadelphia where a guy went to help the people and they were tossing, tossing the kids out and the guy caught them. And um, you, you, you saw that situation and he said something about the Philadelphia Eagle not catching a football like he was catching the kids that they were throwing out of the fire. Um, And on the radio, like, they just could not believe how this guy was so calm in – with what what just transpired. Um, And one of the anchors on the radio said that, well, you know, a lot of black people have been through so much turmoil in their life that – Tragic situations don't bother them as much, and they can they're able to keep calm in a level head. Um, this is one of those situations where I hope this girl gets through this situation 
I hope that she gets through this situation. She's able to get through it mentally healthy, and she'll be able to be stronger for what happened to her. Okay? That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping she's able to rebound and, and be stronger for what happened to her in that situation. Because when you hear something like that, man, you, you as a parent, you just can't. You always want to be there for your kid. We, we spoke about it last week. You always want to be there for your kid. You always want to do what you can for your kid. And those parents were helpless in that situation. The child was helpless in that situation. The parent couldn't be there. The, the kid was at school, a place that's supposed to be safe. That we know, you know, as of the last 20 years, we know the school hasn't been the safest place. We know this. Uh, all the school shootings, all the bullying going on and all like that. But the school is still supposed to be safe. And the school failed to provide safety and comfort for this child. And um, I, I know you have some more information about the school itself. Right, Dad, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so it's interesting. So the school is located in Virginia, and our vice president, Mike Pence, his wife uh, teaches at the school, uh, the Emanuel Christian School in Springfield. Okay, so, so we're having, a, we're having really, a little bit of a bad bad connection. Can you repeat that? Can you, can you hear me? Am I clear? Yeah, you're clear enough. But <laughs> all right, so our vice president Mike Pence, his wife is a teacher at the Emanuel Christian School in Springfield, Virginia. Uh, this is the school where the young lady was bullied and her hair was cut by her three uh, classmates. Mm. That's just, that's that's terrible. I hate hearing things like that. I hate hearing that kids have to go through these things. I hate hearing the kid, kids getting bullied. Like this, this type of stuff really shouldn't, like kids shouldn't have to go through this type. Like adults go through things. And, and the kids really should not have to deal with All the kids should really have to do is grow up Go to school, have fun Live their life, man I mean, seeing something like this happen to a kid it, it, It's awful, man and, and it's not just that it's a black girl it's all, It would be awful for any kid To go through something like this If it was a bunch of people holding down An a Asian girl or, or, or a Caucasian girl Or, you know, a, a Mexican girl Whatever the case, it would be terrible Terrible like, in that moment, that, that girl was helpless. She was being pinned down. That's terrible. It's just, it's awful. It's awful. Um, now, do we know the race of the kids that pinned the girl down? Uh, it, it, the reports that I saw all said that they were white. Okay. Wow. It's It's terrible. Two one five three eight three three nine nine two is the number to call to get on through and, and, and give us your opinions on what we've been talking about today. And if you call and you want to give us your opinion, hit the number one button and we will get you all get you on in to join the discussion here on Intelligent Ignorance. And we got a a call coming in from the two one oh area code. Who is this and what you want to talk about? Hi, this is Brandy. Hey, Brandy, how you doing? I'm pretty good. I wanted to talk, I mean, you guys have really been touching on a lot of topics today that are close to my heart and in my spirit. 
So well, let me let me say one in. thing to you, Brandy. Uh, what took you so long to call in? <laughs> I look, I'm, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. My son just lost his his front tooth, so we was doing tooth stuff. Life is oh, coming okay. at me, but but I'm here. <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, welcome welcome back to the show. Thank we you. Appreciate so it. I really really want to talk about the little girl. I I believe her name is Amari Allen, the sixth grade girl yeah. who was assaulted. Let's call a thing a thing. Who was assaulted? and had her hair cut. So for me, it's really um, a sensitive subject because my daughter is the exact same age as this little girl. My daughter is 11 years old in the sixth grade. My daughter also has dreadlocks. Luckily for us, my daughter goes to a predominantly black school, so we don't have those kinds of issues. But I, I honestly can't imagine being 11 and having uh, a, a situation like a, tra- a traumatic situation happened like that to you. And then having to be, she's so poised and articulate and you can just tell this girl has already been going through it at that school. It's, it's, it makes me sad and it also makes me really know that you, we got to stop putting our kids in these situations and in these places that you think is going to help them long-term, but short-term is really just deteriorating their self-image and their self-esteem and, and the things that we as mothers and parents try to put into our children to, you know, be confident and be strong and be proud. And they, you send them to a school that just eats away at that for eight hours a day. And it's, it's unhealthy. And I, I really, I, that girl is in my wow. heart and my in my heart. It's really it's really wow. emotional. Brandon, you bring up you bring up quite a an interesting talking point there as as parents, you know, we try to give our kids every advantage that we possibly can give Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Whether it be in their education or whatever whatever the case may be. Absolutely. And in this in this situation, I, I'm not familiar with the school. I, I do believe I was I was told that the school was um, was not a predominantly uh, black school. No, it is not. Now, how you say you say we try to get put our kids, you know, give them the best situation, and 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 sometimes we see these schools as the best situation, and it might be the best situation for them educationally maybe they're mm-hmm. getting an, an educational experience that they won't, wouldn't get somewhere else mm-hmm. but like you said it, it, it's it's eating at their self-image and their self-confidence and and as parents Brandon do you have any thoughts on what parents should do in, in that situation like you know should we not send our kids those what, what should we do I mean, honestly, I personally, I this is a this, this school in particular is a Christian private school in Virginia. Would I send my child to a Christian private school in anywhere south of the Mason-Dixon? No, I would not. That is me personally, <laughs> and, and 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 I'm sure other people will have different opinions on that, and to each his own. But for me and mine, no, no, I would not do that. I have a a lot of uh, personal um, thoughts and feelings on religious schools in general, because I have a, I feel like it's a conflict of interest. Like how can you teach um, Adam and Eve? And then you're also teaching sciences and, and it's 
so for me, it's not a thing. But I under I completely understand as a parent, you, like you said, and like we all have said, you try to give, even uh, with the Felicity Huffman in, in, uh, incident, you want to give your kids the best that you can, even if that's not always the best way to do Legal. it. I honestly don't have a real answer as far as like, what do we do? Um, with, with If I was this child's mother, um, Ooh, I can't. I can't say what I was going to do. It's a tough one. That's a tough. That's yeah, a tough one. Because you know, because you know, in the long run, you know your child is going to need that good education. But at the Absolutely. same time, it, it also in the long run, your child is going to need that self confidence and that self image. Your child is going to need um, to know that right that they are loved and it's and also like education isn't good and it's important, but it's um as far as. This is a middle school child. We're not talking about a college or even a high school. She, I feel like, probably deserves to, and a lot of young kids like that deserve to just be kids and not have that um, right. massive amount of pressure right. on them to, to where it's like, I got to put you in this school so you go to a good high school, you get a good college, you get a good job, you get a good, you know, all it is. Mm-hmm. But how are you doing as a, as a human person? Because that's what I'm focused on raising my children is I want them to be able to function and be healthy in adult, as adults in, in no matter where they go and no matter what choices that they make. And I think that is, to me, more important. Absolutely. And I, I personally, I have, I have some different views on, on our formal education here in this country. I mean, we can talk about that another time. Um, but 215-383-3992, come on, give us a call. Come on, we'll bring you on into the conversation. If you want to join the conversation, press the number one button, and uh, we'll bring you through to join the conversation. We've been talking about the Me Too movement, and we're talking about the incident that happened in Virginia where a black girl was um, held down and her hair was cut, and it was called nappy. She had dreads. And, um, you know, she's probably, she's 11 years old. She's probably pretty dramatic. I have a 10 year old here at the house right now with me right now that if that happened to her, like our dad said, lock and loaded, ready to go. Right. The, the, somebody, somebody right. going to line it up. We got to square up. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It, 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 I, I couldn't imagine that happening. So I, I would be in the like, school for the next probably two it. months. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would be sitting in the classroom for the next couple of months. Absolutely. They, and not only, but yeah, not like I said, if you want to, if you want to join the conversation, press the number one, yeah. and we'll bring you right on through. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Brian. You want to? No, what were you saying? I said not only would the school have to see me, but they, them boys' mothers would have to see me as well. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Doc. We, <laughs> I, I know you want to get in on this conversation. Um, you know, have, have any reaction to some of the things that Brandy was saying there, and and, and me too. Yeah, just, you know how I feel about it. Like I said, you know, as a father of a young black thirteen-year-old female, if uh, this were to happen to me, thirteen, I would I would be in jail. Thirteen, uh, man, thirteen. I, w- I would. I feel be like in jail every time you bring, bring her up on the show, I'm like, damn, she's how old? <laughs> <laughs> man, it, it is. It's, it's one of those things for me that we. I completely understand, and like Brandy said, we want to give our child, we want to give our children every advantage that we can give them. But we also have to know when we are setting them up for systematic uh-huh. failure. Uh-huh. So, like mm. Brandy said, this this is a Christian Bible academy 
Uh, I did a little bit of research on it, $12,000 a year. So obviously it's not something to sneeze at. But is this type of environment conducive for a young black woman to grow up in? Yes, education gives her an advantage. But does Uh her surroundings help her well-being? Does it help her grow up to be a better person? Right. Let me ask you this: Is it is it the responsibility of the school to make sure each kid is self confidence and has self confidence in their own skin, or is it the is it the responsibility of the parent and the family? Or it, the easy answer would say it's a combination of the both. But I, I really don't feel like you can have your cake and eat it too in that situation. What, well, what, it, what it do you automatically say starts at home. It automatically oh. starts at home, and that's inherent. Now, a lot of these places with obviously with a $12,000 tuition annually, they are looking at the money. They're Mm -hmm. probably not looking much into the character of people. They're looking into, can you afford this? We know that you need to have a six-figure income if you are sending your child to school for a $12,000 tuition. So we know you make money. We know that we're going to ask you for donations. So the twelve thousand dollar tuition is not the end of it. You're probably spending twenty to twenty five thousand dollars a year for your child to go to school. That's the mm-hmm. that's the financing part of it. Now, we know that our vice president, his wife works at the school. His wife is a mm-hmm. teacher. She teaches there. Yeah. We know we know what type of individual he is. And I won't speak ill, but we know what type of character he possesses. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that. I won't say anything negative about him. We have our opinions on his character. Now, if we know what type of character people are prominent in that school, is it conducive to send our children there? What sense does that make for us? Yes, she's going to get a great education, but is she going to be in a safe environment? Is it going to be mm-hmm. an environment that's conducive to teaching her about her heritage, her history, or are they going to continue to distort and perpetuate the lies that have been told for centuries about how we have operated? Because nobody mm-hmm. tells the story about how our culture built the United States. They don't talk about mm-hmm. that. They relegate us to February, and they relegate most of the learning to slavery and invention. Yep. They don't that's get it. A lot of people in this country how? think that uh, black history started with slavery, and that's, that's not actually the case. We actually got under a minute left in the show, unfortunately. And um, like I said, if you want to get a, a quick 10-second Quick 10-second or 9-second clip in. Hit us up, 215-383-3992. Hit the number one button if you want to get through. I'm going to read these words real quick as we have 30 seconds left in the show. These are the words by uh, Amari Allen. They put me on the ground. One of them put my hands behind my back. One put his hands over my mouth. One cut my hair. They were saying that my hair was ugly, that it was nappy. That's the words of the incident of 12-year-old Amari Allen, and, you know, God bless her. I hope she, you know, recovers from this incident. But, look, we're going to get up. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take it down. It's time to go for us here on the, on the on New Twist, excuse me, on Intelligent Ignorance here on New Twist Radio. For our Dot Hunter and uh, Brandy and everyone who called, thank you. Appreciate y'all checking us out. We'll talk to y'all next week. Peace. Mm-hmm.